Welcome, everybody, to the GCW Plant Podcast. I am your host, Mystical Jericho, and tonight we are debuting our new co-host, JJW, Mr. John J. Wolf. Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. I have to say thank you so much for including me in this podcast. This is uh, this is a new experience for me. So, Thank, uh, thank you for joining. I appreciate you uh Joining us tonight, joining us on this podcast and talking about some GCW wrestling. So tonight we are going to go over GCW's Dead on Arrival. It happened at the Knights of Columbus Center in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, First match of the night was a typical GCW scramble match. We had Alex Price, Yoya, Tony Deppin, Dark Sheik, and Jimmy Lloyd. What do you think of that lineup after the last couple of... uh, scramble matches they put on lately i think these scramble matches have been absolutely hot uh i really think that at some point we need to talk about looking at a title for the scrambles um a couple things that i do want to talk about here was alec price this was his road debut for gcw uh what a great start absolutely great start for him uh the rest of them i mean I enjoyed that they kept calling Yoya the Cambodian dragon. Uh, it was a real strong showing for him. So the Cambodian dragon was a great uh, name. Yes. And then later on, when we uh, talk about the GCW backyard wrestling, we'll hear Nick Gage call him Yo-Yo many, many times. And if we <laughs> talk about the settlement series, we'll hear Mr. Yo-Yo as well. So Matt started off with, uh, obviously, sometimes a GCW way. No one rang the bell. And then, of course, you got Tony Deppin calling everyone a dipshit because no one's ringing the bell. And that's just how Tony Deppin is diving deep back into his heelish sways and being everybody's favorite lovable asshole. <laughs> love it. I love seeing the attitude with him. It creates a little bit more realism whenever he's in there and people mess up. He's going to call them out on their bullshit. I love seeing it. He's, uh, I love how he's been throwing off people's hats. I know that's been really fun. Uh, I believe this was the show where he threw off a hat and there was an older lady that grabbed the hat off the floor and protected, uh, protected it from being taken again. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Was like she grabbed the hat like, nope, you ain't throwing it again. And like he tried to grab it, but he's like, no, I'm not messing with her. She's uh, been around the block, it seems like, and she could uh, teach me some few moves myself here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a strong woman there. I don't think you wanted to mess with her. All right, so after Tony Deppin... Throws the hat off the old lady. Anything else catch your eye during this scramble match? Uh, yeah, actually, um, the match really featured Yoya really either giving or being given damage. Uh, this really was Yoya's scramble. Um, I would say really Tony Deppin was a close second. Uh, he was featured quite a bit, and then third would be Sheik. Overall, it was a, a decent scramble. Uh, there was a couple different moves I hadn't seen before. There was one thing I wanted to talk to you about, though. There's a, the, there was a move that was like a buckle bomb on Yoya, uh, almost to his back. And it hit him in the neck uh, on one of the buckles. Uh, I wanted to tell you that this is kind of the same thing that injured Sting. Yeah, and he hit quite a other guys. Yeah, and Yoya hit a couple of buckles down on the way down as well. Yeah, and I'm, every time I see that move, I kind of just, <laughs> I, I don't like it. Yeah, especially after what happened with Sting and such a not-so-dangerous-looking move, just one bad movement on the neck and almost cost him his career. Mm-hmm, that's all it takes. Uh, we have Tony Deppin picking up the win as he does his little 
rat bastard ways and coming in from behind and rolls up Sheik. And of course, the fans let him hear it after that. Um, and Tony Deppin continues his little scramble uh, streak of winning a bunch of scrambles by uh, underhanded tactics. Bring us a scramble belt. Yes, please. We've been saying this for a while here. I'm glad you uh, have the same sentiment and same feelings as I have towards it, especially with the scramble belt being up in the air uh, at the moment. Uh, it'd be nice for them to kind of introduce maybe a new way of kind of phasing out the extreme title and bringing in the scramble match uh, title for the scramble matches and keeping the ultraviolet title for the ultraviolet matches. Yeah, I really think that bringing a belt to the scramble match would just be the cherry on top of that Sunday. Yes. And we got to, of course, Yolia showed out during this match. I, he, every time I see him, he does something like he shows that star quality that he has in him for quote unquote being a guy of short stature. Uh, I think there's something there with him. And I think we're only just scratching the surface with Yolia. Uh, with Yoya, I, I have to say one thing that I've noticed for sure is he's definitely been hitting the gym. I haven't looked to who he loves to post on Twitter all the time, but uh, it's showing up. He likes to always do his flex, you know, when something goes right for him. Uh, heart of gold on that guy. If he had the body behind him, boy, would he be a killer. Uh, I'm looking at like a Spike Dudley kind of guy, man. He can take a hit. Uh, and yeah. a little bit more credible than Spike Dudley, just based off of said his physique and work he's been putting in at the gym. Yes. One little thing I kind of wish I would have seen during this match, because I know I, KG made mention to it, was uh, Yoya and Tony having a little back and forth heat of Yoya stealing Tony's jacket. I was kind of hoping Yoya would come out wearing <laughs> Tony's jacket. I think that's been done before. I'm not 100% positive. I think I remember seeing Yoya come out. It might have been the day after he stole Tony's jacket. From Atlantic City, I believe that's where it was. So I was kind of hoping to see that kind of continue, but it was still a pretty, uh, pretty decent scramble match to start off the night. Oh, yeah. Next match of the night, we had Uncle Chase Burnett coming out and going against Blake Christian as the Graveheart. Graveheart is continuing with the mask, his changed attitude, and calling out everyone else on the indies. What do you think about Chase Burnett after seeing him come out as like the jackass grandpa from Jackass the movie? <laughs> okay, so uh, we were just talking a little bit earlier where I think we were both saying that uh, we thought he was going to be a comedy act. Probably just come out, do a couple funny things. Blake kicks his ass in a couple minutes. Everybody's happy. They go home. It's a number two match. You know, it's kind of a cool down before something kicks in later. Uh, quite the opposite. <laughs> it ended up being... That Chase was solid. Uh, he was extremely entertaining also. Uh, but a total package. He did a lot to make Blake really look good. Yes. And I thought this was going to be a squash match too. A little tune-up for Blake Christian to get another easy victory on his road to John Moxley. But the old man, Chase Burnett, pulled off a double springboard off the top rope. And who would have thought the old grandpa would be doing something like that? I'm pretty sure they, I know that they had the holy shit, that this is awesome chance. I'm pretty sure I heard a, he still got it, or you still got it chant for him, which was yes. typical GCW smart fans, which I loved hearing seeing that. Solid veteran. Solid yeah. veteran out of Chase. Uh, funny thing, it was definitely more of a technical match than a high-flying match. I think that was because of Chase. But it also um, spread the wings 
of what's capable for Blake. It really showed off uh, less of what he's capable of on the top rope and more of what he's capable of on the ground. And uh, being more capable on the ground is going to be really uh, essential for him when he starts to go up against those bigger guys. Yes, and especially with uh, his next match coming up against Moxley here for the GCW title, he's going to have to bring not just the high flying, not just the mat work, but the kick-ass style that Moxley brings to the table. And he's going to have to take an ass whooping if he wants to become that GCW title holder that he uh, thinks he deserves and wants. So we'll see what he does there. Yeah, I think it was a solid uh, number two match. I think the first two matches there was a, a one-two punch when it comes to good uh, opening matches. Great wrestling, a lot of combos, very entertaining. Both matches gave us something completely different. Um, I really think that at some point here with Blake calling out Moxley all the time, I think it would be uh, kind of cool if Moxley, I'm sorry, if Blake maybe changed that hair up, went black. Uh, you know, kind of made the the look more complete. Yes, especially with the whole Graveheart thing, how he did. Like I said, Blake 2.0 out here pretty much was the same thing, except he got a fresh haircut and a new mask. But him dyeing his hair some certain color, maybe darker towards the whole Graveheart way, would give him a little bit more credibility to his new gimmick that he's trying to put out there. But like, like you said, overall, good match. Nicena. Chase uh, Burnett getting some uh, offense in and showing he's not just the old grandpa that uh, we all thought he was going to be as he started the match. Yes, I'd have to say Chase was definitely a treat. Blake always delivers, but Chase, great treat. Yes. Third match of the night, we have Ninja Kamikaze Mac going against Calvin Tankman, the typical David versus Goliath match. Ninja came out representing his uh, stint in Noah, wearing the Noah shirt, and... John, how do you think this match was going to play out? Well, uh, even in GCW, I know when it's the big guy versus the little guy, you're David and Goliath. It's not going to go well sometimes for that little guy. He's going to take some punishment. Uh, in this situation, Tank outweighed Ninja by roughly 170 pounds. That's uh, twice the size of Ninja, probably. Yes. So Ninja Mac definitely had to use his uh, ninja skills, if we want to call him that, and <laughs> run away from Calvin Tankman throughout this match and try to keep uh, keep the distance from him and Calvin Tankman, which he did a pretty good job the first uh, part of the match running away. But once uh, Tankman got a hold of him in the corner, Tankman even said it best himself to Brett. He goes, Brett, why do you sign me up against these little guys? They're just going to keep getting fucked up. And I loved hearing it. As Tankman usually backs up on his promise with that. Yeah, you know, that was not a typical Ninja Mac uh, match either. Ninja pretty much was getting his ass kicked most of this match. Uh, he didn't even start on any real offense until seven minutes in. And that entire offense lasted maybe a minute. Um, it was just a thorough ass kicking. Like, <laughs> I thought it was probably going to be GCW style. I, uh, I, en I enjoyed it. But if I was a kid... It wouldn't be Ninja Mac time that day. Yeah. Ninja had to keep on running around and usually he's known for his creative offense and definitely his aerial offense. And for him to take that long during the match to even get his uh, wheels turning, which was, was kind of surprising. He ended up picking up the victory, hitting Tankman with the Phoenix three, uh, 630, not 360, the Phoenix 630 and getting the win based off how the match was looking. I thought there was no way Ninja was winning that match. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was a win on paper, but Tankman was so strong. That was undeniable. And I think that was really what needed to go across was that someone like Ninja at the Noah level is putting over someone like Tankman. And it, so, and it still made I, Tankman look super strong and didn't take anything away from Tankman. Tankman's still one badass that I want to see on GCW more uh, on a more normal basis, a regular basis. Absolutely. Yeah. He's somebody that I think really embodies the GCW spirit. I think the fans really uh, enjoy Tankman anytime they can see him. I really do think that as young as he is with the people that are putting him over now, he has a bright future ahead of him. Fourth match of the evening. We have a triple threat match of Nick Wayne going against Jordan Oliver versus Alex Shelley, the hometown hero from Detroit himself. John, what did you think of this matchup? Well, I really thought initially that Alex was going to get the uh, the bulk of the cheers on this one. However, in this situation, the fans were behind Jordan. Um, even though Alex was really dominating the first couple minutes of this match, uh, still, we were hearing a lot of Jordan throughout a good chunk of this. Um, it's nice, ahead, it's nice to hear the Jordan chance because he, uh, near the beginning of this year, he was not a fan favorite, even though it would seem like it going against the... Uh, he who shall not be named anymore in the GCW world, but uh, <laughs> Jordan had a lot of lot of haters. Still has a lot of haters to fight through, but he got a surprising reaction based off of Alex Shelley, who, like we said, is the hometown hero. But also Nick Wayne got his own chance as well. Like coming off the incredible match he had against Osprey, he's on yeah. a little streak here. He's been putting on nonstop great matches as well, so he got his own chance. They all. The Detroit crowd showed every one of them love, which is nice to see instead of just giving it to the hometown hero. Oh, yeah. Um, in this situation, this was damn near a dream match. You're looking at Nick Wayne, who's just hot as can be right now. Um, you're looking at it was his birthday. He's not even 18. He's on a developmental contract. You've got him up against Jordan Oliver, who's I can't say more of a rising star, but he is still a young and rising star. He's been bulking up. I honestly can tell you that on average, his match quality has went up quite a bit. I'd say easily a half a star to a star on most of his matches. He's really showing off that athleticism even more than he did before. And putting on all that muscle, you figure he would have less athleticism? None whatsoever. He hasn't stopped. He isn't going to stop. Um, that's what I have to say about those two. The last one I say would be with Alex Shelley. You know, given the fact that these guys are half his age, he's rolling with them. I mean, he's in there. It doesn't stop. He's running with the bulls from beginning to end. He's just as tired as they are. He's just as alive as they are. I really am happy to see someone my age from my generation out there showing those young guys still what it's all about. And he's still good now that he was then back in impact with all his motor city machine gun days. And yes. A lot of people might not even know or forget that he was just an independent wrestling champion a few months ago, going all yeah. around the, the United States, defending that independent wrestling championship against the best independent wrestlers in the world. So Alex Shelley still got it now, has never lost it. And he did held his own against, like you said, two young bucks of Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne and had to go up against them tag team and against him. And he had a disadvantage the whole night because he didn't have a tag partner he could rely on, even though Nick and Jordan had their little fallout almost near the, near the end of the match with a little pushing and shoving. Yeah. They still teamed against Alex Shelley and Alex Shelley still at the end, almost won it. 
I really do think the end of this match was really satisfying on so many levels because it did play into the fact that Wayne and Jordan could have a match against each other. It's just not always candy and lollipops going around. Um, they can really go and they show that there is a little bit of volatility there. And I know it was because of the match, but at the same time, it really gives us a look into what those two may have to offer in the next couple of years. I really do like what those two are going to bring to the table. Uh, secondarily, um, once they come together, it was a nice ending there. And then here comes Alex Shelley. He cuts a little promo at the end, not a little promo. I think it's a great <laughs> promo at the end of the night. He put over, he puts over both talents he talks about how they're the future of the business. Uh, you know what? This is the coolest part when it comes to how he's going to announce that next match. Do you want to announce what's going to happen with him and Nick Wayne? So Alex Shelley said he wanted to have a match against the young tag team of Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. Yes. But he didn't know which of his former tag partners to choose from, as he's had many throughout his career. <laughs> but being the fact that they were in Detroit and during the match, we had uh, the crowd chanting for it. They were asking for this match before it was even partly announced until the end of the match by Alex Shelley. But Alex Shelley has challenged Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver in a tag match in Detroit going yeah. against the Motor City Machine Guns, which I cannot wait till the next time that GCW is in Detroit just for this match alone. You have oh, the man. young tag team going against the legendary tag team in their hometown. So that's going to be a fun tag match to see whenever it does happen in Detroit. Overall, I know it kind of is one of those things everybody says. Really, though, no losers. Fans aren't going to lose. The young talent aren't going to lose. The guys that have been around forever, they're going to look like gold. No one's going to lose here. Um, at the end, I do want to mention uh, they were walking out, Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver together, and they show kind of a camera shot of those two. Um, and I just wanted to say just for a moment there, I got this little flicker of what the future is going to look like here at GCW and it really does look good. The future is in good hands. Those are two of the young pillars that GCW has right now. Uh, they're going to be using Nick Wayne a lot. I'm going to assume before he graduates high school and heads on his, uh, golden road to AEW. So hopefully, uh, we enjoy these Nick Wayne matches as we have them now. Cause even now they're fantastic matches and he's only going to get better and better at that young age. So cannot wait to see Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver going against the motor city machine guns in Detroit. The next time they are there next match, we have some six way madness coming up of team horror slam consisting of Brayer Wellington MM3 and Tony Vendetta going against SGC, the second gear crew, consisting of Mance Warner, Matthew Justice, and Manders. So, John, what did you think of this SGC <laughs> special? <laughs> it was definitely special, um, but typical GC nonetheless. Uh, SGC nonetheless, sorry. Um, right from the beginning, I mean, you know shit's going to be crazy. Horror Slam comes out, they got streamers. That, that was cool special. to see, yes. So I love streamers. I bring them to the shows I go to live. I really hope that people do bring streamers. I think it's really nice for the performers. I think they really appreciate it. Especially, um, especially when it's done right, like how the Kevin Steen and Ring of Honor, like remember those streamer oh. days? Like love stream, seeing that. That's highly gifable, as KG would say, and a memory yeah. that will last forever. Yeah, and you hit it right on the head with last forever because I guarantee those clips end up going in the library, those those wrestlers for life. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So uh, it ended up being one of those things where before anybody even got to the ring, we had SGC drinking from the piss jug. Then they went out further, grabbed Bud Lights. They started drinking with the fans. Um, That was before the match even started. The bar is never safe when SGC is in the building (laughs) for many reasons than one. You don't they just don't go there and destroy the bar for the beer. They don't just take all your alcohol. They will literally and physically destroy the actual physical building of where your bar is at. (laughs) So, yeah, there's no rules, just fights everywhere. Typical SGC match. And I loved how uh, this match started off with the team horror slam. Just slapping the shit out of SGC and SGC like, <laughs> what did you guys just do to us? And Team Horror Slam explaining, that's our way of saying hello. So SGC wanted to uh, show them how SGC says hello and slap the shit right b- back at him. And Mance <laughs> losing his mind on that slap. Justice going into the corner and just going to town on, uh, I think it was Brayer Wellington and then Mance War- or. Anders, I apologize, in the corner with MM3, and this is where shit breaks down for SGC. Yeah, things go everywhere. It's incredible. Um, Within the first five minutes, they're fighting the middle of venue floor. Uh, Beers, garbage cans, weapons are everywhere. It took six minutes to get this fight back into the ring to where it's somewhat official, quote unquote. Um, We got to see the SGC split screen. Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about that. It's so funny you mentioned that. Let's talk about I'm it. I'm a huge fan of split screen. I think it really adds a dimension to the show. I think it makes it feel more live. I don't know why, but if there's that much action going on, damn it, I want to see it. And I want to see all of it. And with SGC, they're not all going to be in a group. You're going to have three separate fights and three separate areas of the arena. So we need that camera everywhere. And GCW is doing it. That's one thing AEW, I think, kind of missed the ball on on Anarchy in the Arena to capture how great it was for the fans in person. Like, we didn't know where to look in person. And being on TV, you only got one view. You weren't able to see the other six, seven wrestlers that were going on. So GCW's killing it with the SGC split cam, and I want to see more of it. And we are going to see more of it with SGC. There's so many things that would have been missed if we weren't really watching with multiple cameras. Um Let's see. Uh, Manser, he eye-poked Vendetta. And while that's going on, he started fighting everyone on SGC. Love that And started swinging on his own team. Um, let's see. Legos. Oh, we forgot the Legos. The Legos. Yeah, I love man, seeing and, the Legos instead of thumbtacks. Oh, geez. Yeah, uh, you know, you can really feel the pain. And I think it's more relatable <laughs> for the normal fans where every day we stub our toe or, oh, we stepped on our kids' Legos. Like, we know that pain, and that's just one Lego. Imagine uh-huh. seeing someone go through and landing on their back, being slammed by a 300-pound muscle man and just slamming you onto all those Legos. Imagine how that feels. We can relate to that because we've stepped on Legos. We can't relate to thumbtacks. Oh, adults can relate. Kids can relate. The, the wrestlers can feel it. Yeah, this was uh this was a magical match. Not only were there Legos, a couple people got no, I think it was only one got piss boarded. So uh <laughs> yeah, the piss jug got mused in uh several ways. Um boy oh boy, I don't know what else I can really say more about the piss jug, but in this show, it, it got a little more than it should have, but it uh well, it it got its star. So. Everybody seems to enjoy the taste of the piss jug. Piss? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that one, but you guys do you. It's all good. 
Dude, all I can say, though, is that it was 20 minutes of straight action. Really great crowd interaction when they were drinking with the guys. You know, you see the fans just screaming their names while they're walking around doing their thing. Um, absolutely entertaining. The place was a mess. You know, uh, SGC wins. There isn't a sad part of this story. And I can't find someone who wouldn't find this absolutely entertaining. And they probably went right to the back and kept the party going, had more drinks and kept on destroying the venue. But as you said, (laughs) SGC with the victory and another great entertaining and crazy match by SGC. Next up, we have Hoodfoot going against the Psycho from Rikers Island Slade. And... This match, uh, not really a match. Accidents happen in wrestling. No one means to hurt each other, but as good old JR says, this ain't ballet. Accidents will happen. And um, right away, this match starts off. Slade grabs a light tube, breaks it over his head, shows he's a tough guy, hands a piece of the broken glass to Hoodfoot. Hoodfoot and Slade then have a little jousting contest with the light tubes, and Hoodfoot, unfortunately, gets cut pretty bad. Slade gets him uh, with one of the broken ends of the light tube and the referee has to stop it because there's a pretty bad cut on Hoodfoot's arm and the match is over just like that. Over yeah. as fast as it started. Oh, it was, it was, uh, yeah, the entrance took longer than the match itself. Horrible thing to see. Uh, watching it all go down, it was a surprise. And then seeing the cut open and the bleeding happen in sporadic you know, almost with the heartbeat. It was, it was a lot. And um, he wanted to continue. He kept telling the referee he wanted to continue. And it was obvious there was no way he could continue. Yes. Um, Thankfully, Cooler has prevailed there because Hoodfoot's a tough, you're going to have to kill him. Like he proved it that night. You're going to have to kill him to end the match. But luckily, Cooler has prevailed and they were able to stop that match for Hoodfoot safety. Oh, 40 stitches in and out on that injury. Yep, so, um, and still showing the harder hood foot shows up the next night at a deathmatch wrestling show to say hi to the fans, <laughs> like the man should. That's hood foot, baby. He's known for that. Um, I'll tell you what, though, tough guy. They walked him back. Uh, it kind of hushed the crowd. People were stunned. Yes, they that- went ahead with the show slowly. But I did want to mention that for the next eight minutes, there wasn't a single word from commentary. You could tell they were trying to find out what was going on. They were not thinking about what to say. They were busy reacting. Yes, kind of took the air out of the crowd, obviously, from uh, the crazy first half of the show they had going into that. I think that was the first match right after intermission, if I believe. So crazy way to start the second half of the show. Unfortunate accident happened. Hopefully, Hoodfoot, we're sending you best wishes. You seem to be fine. But uh, hopefully that cut doesn't hurt you further along down your career. And like I said, accidents happen. No no hate on Slade there. Just match wrestling with light tubes. Could happen to anybody at any time. So, uh, yeah, the eight minutes kind of took the... We all at home, I didn't even really notice that. There was no talking. Cause I was still stunned myself. And I was like, wait, we had to still watch wrestling. It kind of reminded me of the G-Raver incident when G-Raver got his arm sliced uh, by Jimmy yeah. Lloyd in that ladder match. And you just see him run out the ring and panic and all the blood in that short amount of time on the ring and panic happening. And everyone's just scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. And it's not a fun situation to be around as a wrestler, as a fan, as a promoter. So luckily they caught it in time. They were safe. Hoodfoot will live to fight another day and get his revenge on Slade. 
Yeah, and it was nice to see that the crowd wasn't booing, you know, upset, kind of. What's kind of nice about the GCW crowd is when some of these things go on, a more educated crowd like the GCW crowd knows how to handle these things. They understand the severity of some of these situations. Uh, they know how to get the hell out of the way. Uh, they're very, uh, they're much more understanding of what these guys put their bodies through, I think, than some of the other uh, fans from larger companies. Definitely. Uh, it was good to see. Uh, no, you're good. Uh, it was good to see Hoodfoot chants from the crowd. I'm there with them, man. Hoodfoot 100% all the way. I didn't know I could be more of a fan, but when that dude comes back, he's going to get a pop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's definitely going to be coming back from the injury like Triple H coming out there to the massive pop and well-deserved and definitely earned with his short little time in GCW. Short time and few matches he's had. He's shown the GCW crowd he belongs and he's here. That's why he was in TOS. There's a reason for it. And his toughness is just one of the many reasons why he was in that tournament. And Hoodfoot, for sure, 100% is GCW. Yes. 100%. All right, next match of the night, we have the Iron Demon, Shane Mercer, going against Samurai Akira. And this was interesting, having a deathmatch follow-up against what was supposed to be a deathmatch prior, but with the injury that happened and that match being cut short, uh, seeing a back-to-back deathmatch, especially after what just happened with Hoodfoot, was pretty interesting. How did you feel uh, watching that? Yeah, th- okay, so, yeah, this was an interesting situation. I'm not going to lie, just like the crowd, I was kind of taken I was kind of taken away from this match emotionally because the Hoodfoot situation uh, was still so damn fresh. I mean, they took him out. They spent a couple times or a couple moments thinking about what they were going to do with all the stuff that they set up in the ring for the Hoodfoot match that didn't get broken. Um, I <laughs> I just I was just so happy he was fine, but honestly, it they had a great match, Mercer and Akira. They worked their asses off. You couldn't say either of them were lazy. But honestly, no kidding, I was really uh, distracted. And uh, I know that's a terrible review, but that's an honest review because that really was one of the more emotional parts of the show for me personally. And I had the same feeling, like, just seeing Hoodfoot with that injury. Like, I can't do it. Like, a lot of that gore. So I could do GCW. Like, it's fine. Even in some spots, though, I have to turn my head, like... I'm not watching someone just die because this looks like a dangerous spot, but that's the GCW wrestlers putting their lives on the line for my entertainment. But even I can say sometimes like, oh, it gets rough to watch. And that hood foot injury was rough to watch. And then seeing this death match right afterwards, I was just like praying and hoping that this wasn't an omen for the rest of the night. Even during yeah. this match, Akira and Shane Mercer had a couple dangerous spots with light twos, which is like, I've never seen spots before. And I was, Hoping they would be a little bit more safe, considering what just happened, and do stuff that they're comfortable with. But it looked like, being the performers that they are, they wanted to, hey, the crowd's down. It's our turn to now go out there and get them back into the show. It might be our turn to steal the show here. Let's show them, like, we know what we're doing. We're here for you guys. We're going to make up for what just happened. And they did a lot of crazy spots. Some people would say dangerous spots. I'm one of them, but... Luckily, nothing happened to him. Nothing seemed to go out of place. And this match went on like a normal GCW death match and helped get the show back on track. Yeah, and I think that was definitely the point was to try to get that show back on track as quick as possible. Um, I think in retrospect, what I might have done, maybe, maybe not, of course, if I was the booker, quote unquote, might have been to bring on a comedy match. Maybe put on a match that might... uh, 
raised spirits. Uh, um, maybe yep. a match that's more tooled for kids. I don't know, like a Ninja Mac match, if that didn't happen already. Yes. Um, yeah. I again, I unfortunately I was distracted. Both of these guys are great performers. No shit, great performers on any night. You know that if you have either of those, either of those names in the ring, they're going to be solid on their end. And Shane Mercer gets to dip his toe in the deathmatch uh, wrestling again and show his innovative and creative move set that he brings with his power and agility to the deathmatch scene. He carries that right on in, and he brings out uh. What's he call his little like razors? Uh, not a mace, but um, he has a little special tool Morning that he's star, having out. Right? Yes, something like that. And I, I was kind of glad they didn't really use it as much, considering what just happened sure. with Hoodfoot. Because even just the first time I saw him bring that out and start swinging it around his head, I'm like, oh shit, something's gonna, be- something bad's gonna happen. And I did not want to have that feeling after something bad has already just happened. So luckily, yeah. we didn't have to see too much of that weapon and. The night was just fine. Shane Mercer picked up the victory over Akira. Akira continuing his losing streak in GCW, and hopefully he will get back on that winning ways. But I still love seeing Akira's heart and tenacity in these matches and showing his creativeness as well in the deathmatch scene. So thankfully, those two brought the card back into the tracks and kept the show moving. Yeah, I have nothing else to say about that. I'd have to say that overall, again, these guys went out, they did their job. Just like you say, they tried to get it back on track. I really felt that they accomplished that. Next up in our co-main event is a death match for the Ultra Violent Championship held by one Alex Bloodfighter Cologne. So this match was Alex Cologne defending his Ultra Violent Championship going against Dale Patrick. And I haven't seen much of Dale Patrick's, but the what little I've seen of him in the death match scene, I was excited for this match to see what he would bring in Especially, I think this is the first GCW match going against one Alex Cologne. And Alex Cologne definitely brings his old school wrestling mentality and yes. incorporates the deathmatch wrestling into his actual style of wrestling, which is very awesome to see in the death matches that Alex Cologne's are Alex Cologne is in. Uh yeah, this match actually had more wrestling than expected. I was really happy to see this. I'm really hoping that the deathmatch scene is slowly coming into a more wrestling phase. I think that's with more of a wrestling phase, it adds more credibility. It adds more credibility. Well, I'm sorry. It adds more credibility to the wrestlers. Then it could possibly have more impact necessarily when someone's hit with something literally more impact, you know, just a little back and forth here and there. Then all of a sudden a light tube comes in. Sometimes that may more have, have uh, more impact. I'm sorry. than say 20 light tubes back to back to back to back. Yes, and I love seeing like Alex Cologne. Uh, we were saying like he started as a wrestler. He didn't just grow up. Hey, I want to be a deathmatch yeah. wrestler and do it. Like he was in CZW doing wrestling, and then kind of like Cole Radrick, dabbled his toe in the deathmatch scene. Realized he liked it. Realized he's pretty good at it, and he has a future in it. That's probably a little bit more brighter of a future in the deathmatch setting as it would have been if he would have stayed and done the more classic one-on-one technical wrestling so but he's still able to use everything he's done and learned as a wrestler in the deathmatch setting which is very awesome that's why i love alex cologne doing it i loved when segura they brought him in for tos you saw a lot of that with the actual wrestling during these death matches than just people grabbing tubes and stabbing each other and throwing them on light tubes. So like you said, I love seeing the more wrestling than the death match wrestling in this match. 
Yeah, I think that with the way GCW is positioned as a company, I would really like to see them be the uh, the, the the tip of the point, or maybe just the tip of the arrow, on cleaning up uh, deathmatch wrestling, bringing it from where it's uh, where it's been into something now that you need a lot more talent to complete. Um, just so some guy off the street doesn't go, well, I can take an an injury. You know, I'd rather just step in the ring and do this instead of getting the proper amount of training when they don't understand the proper amount of training is what keeps everyone in the ring uh, safer and getting injured. Yes. And I kind of not to say anything bad about Slade, not saying he doesn't know what he's doing, but you see him and the way he was moving with those light tubes and he's not really a deathmatch wrestler. We were talking about it earlier. He's kind of like hardcore. He could do the crazy tables, chairs. He could dabble in it, but you could tell, like, with the training, you don't want some Joe Smo coming off the streets, going in a match with Hoodfoot because he got popular off of social media or however he became into the wrestling match and get in a match with somebody untrained and accidents happen, even with the most trained professionals in the world. You want to avoid anything that could happen, like what happened to Hoodfoot. And like you said, with them having the background of actually coming into the business with the mentality to be a wrestler and put on a more normalized style of wrestling and then using that to incorporate it into their deathmatch wrestling was very awesome to see by Dale Patrick's and Alex Cologne. And yeah, my last thing, but, oh, but, uh, I was just going to say in this scenario, we're going to know when deathmatch wrestling has improved when people stop looking at deathmatch wrestling as the alternative yep. to real wrestling. When we stop seeing people going, well, I'm not as entertaining over here, so I'll take a couple light tubes to the head. That's not exactly the mentality we should have. I know that this this entire deathmatch scene kind of started 20, 20 odd, 30 years ago, and we've come a long way, but there's still a long way to go. And yeah, I think GCW really should be the, the tip of the spear on that with making sure that this gets uh, respected. There we go. Respected. And I've seen... Kind of what you're saying. They're bringing a different mentality into the deathmatch wrestling. Where if you watch some other deathmatch show, you're going to see a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again. And it becomes repetitive being done by every single wrestler. Whereas the GCW, they when they introduce their deathmatches, unless it's like a tournament where you know you're getting all deathmatches, then you're going to see repetitive stuff no matter what throughout the evening. But with one or two of the deathmatches per card... You get to see the creativity, the different move sets, the different styles of deathmatch wrestling yeah. that a lot of these other companies aren't producing. And I think you're seeing it as why GCW is now being known as the king of deathmatches and where all the wrestlers want to be because they get to show off all their talents and they're very talented wrestlers and not just, hey, let's just put on a bunch of blood and gore and get over that way. You see the talented yeah. wrestling, the storytelling, especially the storytelling and the death matches that they sell is phenomenal. And I just love to see it as a GCW fan. And this match was very good spotlight of GCW deathmatch style wrestling. Yeah, I really do think we're in a situation where in deathmatch especially, it's going to have to be more about quality than quantity from this point forward. And no better way or no better man to uh, do that than Alex Cologne himself. As you can see lately, he's he says it himself. It's about the quality of the matches, not the quantity. So that's why he calls himself the deathmatch king. He's the best deathmatch wrestler in the world right now. And with as many tournaments as he has won and 
the constant winning that he does and all these other companies all over the world as he's been doing it over the last couple of months as well. He's showing you why he's the cream of the crop when it comes to deathmatch wrestling. And he proves it once again tonight or not tonight, but that night against uh, Dale Patrick's and he hits a uh, Dale Patrick with the tiger driver for the win and defends successfully his ultra violent championship title. Yeah. As a fan, I just have to say, I'm really happy that Cologne carries the GCW flag. Yes, very much so. And he, and he represents it very, very well. Yeah. And to wrap up the evening, we have our main event of dead on a rival. And it is another triple threat death match of Cole Radrick going against C. Clope going against Medio Extremo, Los Macisos. This match was supposed to be Cole Radrick teaming with Joey Janela going against Los Macisos, but unfortunately, Joey Janela was unable to make the flight to Detroit, as well as KG. We missed KG's voice on GCW. Yes. But uh, travel issues, as well as everything else going on that 4th of July weekend, I heard all about it. I got myself into it near the end of 4th of July. We'll go over, but... uh. Unfortunately, Joey Janela and KG were victims of everything going on that weekend with the travel industry. And Cole Radrick, Ciclope, and Mido Extremo, though, kind of made us forget that Joey Janela should have been in that match in the first place. And they had themselves a nice three-way death match here. Yeah, it was a great little death match. I wouldn't even want to call this little. Um, this was a great death match overall. Uh, Cole primarily took on both of these men. He got his ass kicked a lot. There was there was some major uh, ass beating there. It looked great for Cole overall. Um, and it's kind of similar to the Alex Shelley versus Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. One guy going against a team, and you just never know how that's going to turn out in a triple threat match. And you just, as the lone wolf in that match, you kind of hope they uh, the teammates find something to fight about and distract each other. So that way you get the advantage. Yeah, I think they did a really good job on making sure there was a little bit of static between Sokopole and me. I think that helped a lot because otherwise this whole three-way would have been really boring. Um, let's see. At seeing Ciclope yeah. against Mito Extremo back in the early HAL GCW days, though, I'm going back to, like, I think it was the Nick Gage Invitational where they went against each other. <laughs> These two will throw a brick at each other's head and still give each other a hug and go home okay. and still be brothers at then. They are. They don't care that they're in a match against each other. They don't care that they're brothers. They're bringing it 100%. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say, Sikople, he hit Cole with a pump handle off the second turnbuckle through the second pane of glass. Before that, Cole had a uh, uh, air raid crash with Extremo onto a pane of glass. I mean, these, hap these happen damn near back to back. They really did make the most of this freeway, uh, this three-way. Extremo hits a <laughs> Extremo hits a cople uh, with the pane of glass with the suplex. It was just incredible. And these three, like kind of going off of how the show kind of came back from intermission, they knew that they're the main event. They knew they had to step up their game and send these Detroit fans home happy. Hopefully, forgetting about the hood fit injury, not having that like as being the stain on the night. They these three wrestlers came in, gave it their all as they always did. Cole Radrick, once again, deathmatch ratty daddy. I love seeing it. I love seeing him step up his game. He steps up his game, too. And yes. Los Macisos, since they've been back, have been on another level since they left. And these three combustible elements in this match made for one very fun and deadly match. Oh, speaking of being on a streak and speaking of Cole, one thing that I really noticed was that 
Sokople uh, did the, uh, he grabbed a hold of Cole and he started dragging him through the glass on the ground. I'm sorry, no, it was on the canvas. Yep. And it laid this huge red stripe on the mat. And that was not seen often. I really like that. And that Broken screams everywhere. Yes, that screams Ratty Daddy. That brings me back to when he had his match against Orn Vite at the showboat and where he's like on the rope slicing himself, showing a, yeah. I love this shit. I'm here for this shit. Like that was awesome seeing like just Cole being dragged through there and seeing like literally his blood smeared across the ring. Like only in Ratty Daddy can. He's just awesome in these death matches. And Ciclope and Mito Extremo, that's their bread and butter with the Lucha Extrema style. And these these three ended the night off a very spectacular way, in my opinion, to save the night. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think it was a great way to go out. There's a lot of people behind Cole. It's been it's been picking up little by little for quite a while now. And uh, to see him in a main event holding his own against two luchas. Beautiful. Um, I've seen nothing but Cole spreading his wings further and further. I really hope he continues me, especially being from Ohio. He's from Indiana. I know exactly where people like that are from. And I kind of cheer on people like that when they're from, you know, country areas. And uh, it's really nice to see somebody like him win. And he always represents his roots. He always comes out with a Pacers jersey quite often as well uh, when he comes out for these death matches. So uh, Cole, that ratty daddy train, like you said, is chugging along. And I hope he gets another match against Alex Cologne, hopefully here soon. Possibly yes. becoming starting a new era in GCW with being the ultraviolet champion. Maybe mm. that will push Alex Cologne towards his dream match that he wants in Moxley. I know he wants the big match. He wants to be known as the main event player and he could do it with being the ultraviolet championship, but he doesn't need the ultraviolet championship to be on a marquee match with John Moxley. So hopefully one day yeah. Paul Radrick will take the reins of the ultraviolet title push Alex Cologne towards the main events world title scene. Hopefully maybe it'll be Blake Christian. Who knows? I think uh, I'd rather see Alex Cologne and John Moxley go at it myself, seeing how those two styles would uh, interact with each other in a dangerous and violent setting more than what would happen with Blake Christian. But John Moxley versus Blake Christian would be a great technical once, once in a lifetime match as well. Yeah, this is a situation where I'm very happy to have such a hard time picking someone to go after the championship because there's just so many people to pick from. Yes. So happy for that. You know, we're not in the WWE where they're, you know, going around with one main guy and two or three challengers. I mean, we have a situation here where at any time they can pick up steam and get going. And the fans are so behind so many of our people that it doesn't matter who it is, as long as it's one of our people, yeah, we're behind him 100%. Yes, you could tell, going back to the Tony Depp and Moxley match, how badly that crowd wanted Tony Depp to win. Mox had his little pop and had his cheers too, but seeing the ass-kicking that Tony went through, seeing everything he's been through in GCW pretty much since, not, I know he's not a day one, but damn near... Every card he's there, he's a GCW regular. And those fans that are regularly there watching the product, you could tell they wanted one of their own, as you said, to dethrone Moxley. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. We'll have another chance, hopefully, here with Blake taking it off Moxley. Or maybe down the line, we'll see Cologne 
taking the belt off Moxley, and maybe Ooh. we'll be calling Alex Cologne instead of three Pete. We'll be calling him double champ. Who knows what we'll see from Alex yeah. Cologne in the future. That guy's got more numbers to rack up. I'll tell you. <laughs> wow. He's going to be the Michael Jordan, the Kobe Bryant, and the Shaquille O'Neal all in one promotion. Well, same thing. Just like, uh, just like him, man. Deppen, he's another one where I just can't see him anywhere else. I wouldn't want him anywhere else. He's part of the reason why I watch that show. Yes. And going back to this match here, say Clue, uh, Ciclope. Not easy, up, man. I know. Ciclope <laughs> ends up tapping Cole out for the victory and to cap off dead on a rival. So Ciclope gets a little momentum behind himself as well as probably mm-hmm. carrying that momentum in the tag scene with Los Macisos and his brother Medio Extremo. And we'll see what goes on from there as well as seeing what they have to provide in the tag team division as well. And that is it for Dead on a Rival. Another fun GCW show. Uh, could have been a lot worse with the hood foot injury, but luckily we had a lot of uh, talented wrestlers and great action to uh, make us kind of forget what happened. But hopefully, once again, Hoodfoot, well wishes are being sent to you from the GCW Plant Podcast. I got to see SGC and their little split screen action, taking their action all over the arena. We got to see Jordan Oliver. Get back on the winning streak here after taking that loss to Blake Christian. Hopefully this will uh, get him and Nick Wayne with their match against the Motor City Machine Guns and he could keep on his hot streak. Uh, and it was a fun overall show. Alex Cologne gets to retain the Ultraviolent Championship. Uh, what did you think about the car, John? Um, I really enjoyed watching Alec Price uh, have that road debut. I think that he came out strong. I really am starting to enjoy how he calls everybody garbage. Garbage. Uh, garbage. It's it's really, I don't know if I can remember, but it may have been the first time I'd saw him uh, or seen him this past weekend there. And I, I want to see him some more. So that's really nice. And it looks like this entire weekend that we're catching up on here this past week, it looks like they were they were making sure he got some time in. So I was really happy with that. Um, I really did like, I forgot to mention this earlier, but in the early in the podcast, I was going to mention that this place has wood paneling and I had to mention it because I'm old, 42 old. And I just wanted to let you know that that wood paneling has a feeling like I used to have that in my old house. Anybody who grew up through that era, they know that once you drop into that feeling with the wood panel, it's it's just different. So it was kind of nice to have that because you feel like you're stepping back a little. It was old school. Uh, gosh, man, I Gosh, what else can I think of here? My the wife hall. wants to know why it's always in a Catholic place. It seems like every time they're in one of those buildings, it seems to be like a Catholic place. Yeah, and then the Ukrainian Cultural Center is a little different. That's interesting too, huh? Yes. I like I like the different venues they go to. Like I like seeing the Roxies, the Harpos, like seeing the backyard wrestling outside. You love seeing the little bigger yep. stages is the Hammerstein, even though that's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing, the Hammerstein. But I like seeing the yeah. different venues and – the authentic independent wrestling that they provide you as like the backdrop of their incredible product. I love seeing that. Yeah. The uh, last thing I wanted to mention about this show that I hadn't seen at any other show was that during a small break between matches, there was an announcement that beer for the rest of the night was going to be $2. And I had not seen the front row clear out as quickly as possible. You could literally see people running to make the line for the $2 beer. I can't remember what matches that was between, but I think it did help the fans overall that night. Yes, especially it was after the Hoodfoot incident. I think it was like right before the main event. So 
awesome way to hey like we know this kind of sucked and not what you wanted but hey the venue stepped up which is awesome seeing yes. like hey let's help them out here we want them probably coming back but they've been here before we trust them we want to see mm -hmm. them here it's probably very good business for that venue i don't know what that even venue is used for or anything but i gotta assume having a bunch couple hundred gcw fans in there has to be good business especially for the bar area and especially when SGC oh, yeah. is there so Oh yeah, when they're charging waters, you know, for who knows how much, even if they're three bucks, whew, you're I, making money on water alone. If I was there, I would have been one of those people running to the two dollar uh, beer line and waiting my happy ass over there for a two dollar beer. <laughs> Definitely would be there. I would have went with you and given you two extra hands. <laughs> I would need all the hands we can get for two dollar beers. I'm getting my money's worth. Yeah, man. Uh, that's it though. I'm just I'm happy about the uh, Motor City machine guns getting uh, getting set up. That's just. Ah, yeah that's Detroit, my baby. that's my takeaway i w i cannot wait for the next time gcw goes to detroit i want to see the motor city machine guns going against jordan oliver and nick wayne that's going to be a very big test for them as a young tag team but i think that is like the perfect opponents for them to showcase what their future holds as a tag team i can't agree more man <laughs> all right so, so we got the next couple shows coming up here uh what else do they have that weekend? We had Gateway to, what was it? Gateway to. Uh... I just called it Gateway. Gateway. Okay. Sounds good. Enough, Gateway. Yeah. It was just so much easier for me to remember at the time. That's happening. Yeah. That happened in St. Louis. And then we had a couple nights later, the Fairworth, Fell, Farewell Tour of yeah. the Rock and Roll Express. And yeah. then they ended the yeah, crazy. Baby. Yes. Liked seeing them. And then we ended that crazy 4th of July weekend off with the Backyard Wrestling 4 in an <laughs> undisclosed location that I was sworn to secrecy, signed an NDA that I wasn't allowed to say where I was for that show. But you will see me all over that show running away from all the craziness because that show in typical Backyard Wrestling GCW fashion was insane. Well, I'm really hoping you kind of go through your stories here soon on one of our nest podcasts because you had you had some pretty cool stories man yes i have plenty of stories luckily i got more stories and memories than i did video as it was hot as hell there and my video on my camera on my phone overheated and i lost a lot of cool videos i had but luckily i got uh, the memories and we will definitely be going over everything backyard wrestling for in a future episode here probably in about two or three more episodes we'll be talking about that but uh John, welcome to the GCW yeah. uh, Plant Podcast. We very much am happy to have you here. Cannot wait to hear all the awesome insight you have as well from your GCW knowledge and background. And we will be hearing more about that in future updates as you are our new co-host. And I appreciate you very much helping out and making this thing a lot better than me just sitting here reviewing matches. Yay. So you're keeping me? Yes, keeping you. <laughs> We're going to sign another NDA contract at another undisclosed location, and uh, uh, okay. the details will be worked out to keep you on here full time. Sweet, man. Well, we made number one half. Well, my number one half. <laughs> yes, GCW podcast number four is in the books. I appreciate everyone listening. Once again, please don't forget to reach out to us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Mystical Jericho. I kind of also have the GCW Plant Podcast in there if you need help with that. Uh, John, you want to tell them where they can find you at? Yeah, actually, I, end, I ended up having to switch a little bit because generally I go under Jelly Roll. That's what everybody knows me from. However, there is a Jelly Roll out there 
who is a uh, he's a singer and he's damn good at it. So I don't want to uh, have a podcast and say, hey, General is going to be on it. And then, uh, you know, 200 million people show up to hear me. So uh, we're going to have yeah, 200 million me. people here listening to you speak GCW. That is oh, our goal here. Sadly, miss. Yeah, that wouldn't go well. Uh, yeah. Find me over at John J. Wolf. Uh, also, it can go under JJW. But it's John J. Wolf, JJW at Twitter. You can find me and uh, say hello. I'm kind of friendly. He's very friendly. He's he's not all bark and bite. He's a very good man. We are very happy to have him on this podcast. Uh, We will be uploading videos here soon. I know I just posted the audio version only on YouTube. I will still be doing that for these next couple shows while we get some things on the back end. Uh, I need to shave. we all need to shave and i need to lose weight and (laughs) i ain't gonna lose that weight running down for those two dollar beers so on that note i appreciate you hanging out mr jjw you have yourself a good night all the gcw brother thank you very much and all the gcw plants out there you guys all have yourselves good night we'll probably catch you tomorrow i will be we'll be doing some more episodes to catch up and we'll be on schedule with the gcw frantic schedule that they have we'll be all caught up with them and we will uh be hammering down some things on the back end of this podcast of getting the graphics out there getting some more fan interactions getting some live chats with live videos um and putting a more consistent schedule out there and more great consistent content as well uh once again thank you all and you guys all have yourselves a good night and we will see you later bye-bye